it's still real, right? The hope for Australia, even though we lack reforms, the hope for Australia, even though we lack good leadership, church, the hope of Australia is still Jesus Christ and the blessed gospel that can change the life of an individual. That's the hope of Australia. And so if we have your Bibles this morning, let's turn to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, and we begin reading in verse 5. And familiar passage of Scripture for some of us this morning. But pertinent to a lot of us, and I, I believe it's a lot of us don't actually think we have it, but we actually do. Um, so let's, let's read in, in Matthew chapter 8, and beginning in verse 5. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, they came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of palsy, grievously tormented. In verse 7, and Jesus saith unto him, I, I will come and heal him. In verse 8, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, for, and my servant shall be healed. And let's continue going forward in, in, in verse 10. Verse 10 says this, When Jesus heard it, he marveled, and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And today, I guess the, the sermon title, if you like to write notes to, to this morning, is simply this, Faith-Guided Leadership. Faith-Guided Leadership. Let's pray. Ask God to bless. Father, we, we sang some hymns earlier in the service, and we, we, we talked about how easy it is to go to you and to rely on you. And Father, we got to hear a, a special item, Father God, from, from these young men that reassures us again the truth of what we're doing this morning. And Father, I, I ask, Lord, that Again, you may be able to use your word to speak to the hearts of your children, and even to those, Lord, that do not know you as personal Savior this morning. Father, as we delve into the Scriptures, I pray that you clear our mind and help us to stay attentive to what your word has to say. We, we love you, Father God, and we thank you for the opportunity to stand behind this pulpit and to preach thus saith the Lord. And Father, may you get the glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Put up your hand if you've ever heard of a place that you should go. Yeah? You say, someone says to you, oh, oh man, you should go there. I'm going to the States. Oh, you know what? You need to go to this place. It's amazing. Put up your hand if anyone's ever said that to you. If you've ever been to um, any trips or if you've ever been to a, like a, a tourist destination, what people will do is they'll, they'll tell you, oh, you know, that place is really great. It's beautiful. But this is a must-do whilst you're there. And and a, a little while back, we had the opportunity to go to Perth, and I was talking to some of my friends. And I've never been to Perth before. I know it's in Australia, but it's still, still a ways away, if you, if you think about the, the plane ride. Um, the, I remember one of the guys telling me, you need to go to Rottnest Island. It's so beautiful there. And he'd get his, he'd get his phone out, and he showed me a little picture of him in Rottnest Island snorkeling, stuff like that. And you sort, of, you sort of get that information and you sort of push pin in your mind, this is a place I need to go whilst I'm there. 
But the, the difference between seeing a picture of the location compared to actually being there yourself. And there's this thing that when we, when we got off the boat and it was, it was really rocky, uh, the, 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 the boat ride to, to Rottnest Island, but we got off the boat and we got into this little section and we walked, um, I guess, a, a couple of minutes. We went over this sand dune and you look over it and it's, it's just this crystal clear blue. And, it, and I'm not saying that it was like green, brown, it was blue. This light blue water, right, contrasting the white sand. And when you stepped on the sand, it made this like, this <coughs> noise. Because, I'll tell you why, because the sand, the sand was so fine. I got nervous using my camera gear. Why? Because if those sand particles get in there, it will wreck your camera. And so we got there, and, and I, I remember just standing there in awe. The pictures were beautiful. The pictures tried to portray something that was there. But unless you were in, in that position, if you, unless you were in that location, you could never appreciate truly what this is. And it's interesting that there's, there's a, a statement in Scripture that, that even Jesus Christ made, that he, he was, in, in verse 10, that's what we read, he said, I say unto you, um, yeah, in verse 10, he says, he marveled. He marveled. And then it says, I say unto you, I have not found so great a faith, no, not in Israel. And this morning, I just would like to just share to you some thoughts in regards to this passage. Um, we know that the, the synoptic gospels um, are, are not contradictory, they're complementary. And so what you find is in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, um, oftentimes there are different viewpoints of the same story, but just giving you additional information regarding this. And so um, in, if you'd like to write... Um, uh, I guess a cross-reference, it's actually cross-references to Luke chapter 7, 1 to 10. And Luke chapter 7, 1 to 10 actually shows you that the centurion wasn't actually there speaking with Jesus Christ. The centurion, it almost, if you, if you think about it in this term, it's like um, the people that were speaking to Jesus was, a represent, uh, was, was representing the centurion. So almost like a, a tourney. So when, when Jesus Christ spoke to the, the men that were sent to, G, uh, to, to him from the centurion, um, basically he was speaking directly to the centurion. That's the reason why Matthew states that because, again, you need to understand, Matthew wrote this, this book particularly to the, Jew, the Jews. So the Jewish customs are very permeant um, and, and just permeated throughout the book of Matthew. And so what we, what we want to understand, I guess, this morning is this is that whatever stage of life you're in today, you have some sort of leadership that God has appointed to you. You say, what do you mean? Put up your hand if you're a father this morning. God has entrusted you to lead your home. And so before you write off this, 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 this whole sermon, I'm not a leader, no, no, there are things that are in your life that people are looking at, are... are, are emulating in their life to say, hey, I'm going to follow him in this area. And whether we follow, uh, we follow that person in a negative or in a positive, they're still considered as leadership in, in, in our areas, in, in, in our responsibilities. And so not just fathers, mothers, your, your leaderships of your home too. Uh, men that work in, in, in secular environment, you, you have people that are, are under you that you, you can guide and you can help guide or you can help be a blessing to. There's different aspects of leadership. It's not just 
the pastor standing up and, and teaching, thus saith the Lord. There are different aspects in our, our Christian life. And so simply, I, I'd like us to see that the faith, according to Merriam-Webster's 1828, says this, Faith is a firm belief in something for which there is no proof, something that you completely trust. And you could also refer that to Hebrews, and we know the verse um, in Hebrews 1. And so what you, what you need to do is, um, I guess this morning, if you'd like to write notes, the first point is this. Good leadership, good leadership prioritizes the welfare of those under his authority. Good leadership prioritizes the welfare of those under their authority. And as we delve into this whole relationship, authentic in our relationships, I, I believe this is one aspect that we all can improve on, we can all grow in. And simply this, in, in, verse, in verse 5 of Matthew chapter 8, it says this, And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, they came unto him a centurion, beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. See, the soldiers and the centurion, you need to understand, he was the principal profes uh, the professional officer in the armies of the ancient Rome. He was, he was the commander of a centuria. A centuria is a hundred, which was a sm the smallest unit of the Roman legion. And legion usually had about 6,000 men underneath it. So you'd have about 60, 60 centurions under the command of, um, of that legion. But you need to understand that these soldiers were appointed because of their bravery. They're appointed because of their brutality. They're appointed because of their loyalty and their, their proudness in, in battle. So these guys were not just pushovers. These guys were legitimate leaders that their expectation as their role in the, in the Roman Empire was when there was a battle, their, their spot wasn't in the back in a tent. Their, their spot as a, as a centurion was actually in the front lines with their men. These were hardened men. And it's interesting to me as, as we delve into his leadership and see how he, he sort of showed some faith that even Jesus Christ said, wow, this is amazing. He marveled at. We could learn this truth that good leadership prioritizes the welfare of those under his authority. But see, this is where, I guess, the sub-point is this. His concern caused action. His concern caused action. So church, we, we, we may recognize some things. We, we might have, I, I guess, in a, in a friendship um, relation. You might see some things in, in your friend's life that, that they're not going too well on. And, and, and what, you're, what you're thinking in your mind, hey, should I say something about it? Should I bring it up? And, and obviously, you don't do that in a judgmental sort of aspect. You, you go to that person in love and you, you tell them, hey, um, I, I noticed this and I don't think you should do that. It's not good. You're hurting yourself. But you see, the, there needs to be a decision that, that, that needs to be made where you're going to take that step where you no longer just see the issue, but actually it causes you to do something. And this leader, this centurion, understood that, hey, my, 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 my servant... He's sick of the palsy. He's, he's in torment, and he's going to die. We find that in Luke. But instead of just staying there, what he did was he, he went to the person that could actually help. He did something. He, he, his, his worry and his concern caused him to have an action. And so as a leader, whether you're a father, whether you're a friend, whether 
maybe in a working environment, if someone needs help, you can acknowledge that there's an issue, but do you take a step further? Do you care enough to say, okay, it's going to take my time to deal with this, to help this person out? And a mark of a good leader, a mark of someone that, that understands their responsibility, doesn't just see the need there. No, no, they, they go and try to approach and fix it, try to help. Not only that, but his concern overlooked his consequences. His concern overlooked the consequences. You see, um, the centurion was a Roman. Were the Romans, were the Romans above or below the Jews? In this, in this, in this context. Church, talk to me. Above. Why? Because actually the Roman Empire took over the, the whole region. And so the truth is, is that um, a man of his stature didn't need to go to Jesus Christ. He could have gotten one of the best physicians. He could have gotten the, the best doctors of the day. But do you know what he did? He went to Jesus Christ. And so instead of seeing the, the consequences of what he's doing, basically humbling himself, to the Jew, and then humbling himself below that. Why? Because the Jewish custom were above Jesus Christ. You understand the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, the group of the body of, of those that made the, the legal um, decisions of the, the realm looked at Jesus Christ in a negative light. And by approaching Jesus Christ, there was a consequence on this man. And you need to understand this morning as the centurion decides to send the elders to, to Jesus Christ on behalf of him, on behalf of the servants, there were consequences that will happen because he cared. But he, he put that aside. He put that aside. See, they, there wouldn't have been any backlash if he asked the doctor. There wouldn't have been any backlash if he asked the Pharisees to come and, and, and pour oil on him and pray over him. But when you brought Jesus Christ to the picture, you're going to be contrary to the Jewish customs. You're asking help from those that you have rulership over. You're humbling yourself. And church, what we need to understand again, and, and I, the more and more I, God's allowed us to be, uh, allowed myself to be in, in some sort of leadership, you, we need to start caring to the point where we do something to the point where we say, okay, I know there's consequences by doing that and associating myself with them. But because I love them, I will go out of my way to help them. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? And so the centurion, as he, he showed forth his leadership, said, okay, firstly, good leadership prioritizes the welfare of, their, of those under their authority. But good leadership, secondly, is this. Good leadership understands their own limitations. Good leadership understands their own limitations. You know, there was this, um, there was this time we were, we, were, we were playing basketball, and I know, me, basketball doesn't match, right? But back in the days when I was younger and much more fitter, uh, we'd play basketball, and, and, um, and I was center because I was one of the tallest guys and all this stuff, right? And, and we'd be playing 
And there was this, there was this kid, he was, re- he was really, really good at playing basketball. Man, every time we got the ball, guys, we chucked it to him. Every time. It was like, it was just, the whole game was cherry picking. Like, you just chuck the ball to him and he'll get it in. That, that, that's what happened. Um, but then there was a time when he injured himself. But instead of getting out of the game, what he did was he, he said, you know, I'll push through, I'll keep going. And, and he wrapped his, his, his ankle up. And he played the rest of the game. And then the next week, as we played another school, he, he did the same thing. He wrapped his ankle up and he played the, the game because he knew that if he wasn't in it, then the, the team would lose. But the problem was, as he was doing that, he was, he was, he was doing a compound injury. It was, it was continuing to, to tear certain ligaments in his, in, his, in his ankle to the point where they could not be repaired anymore. And do you know what? He can't play basketball anymore. Why? Because he thought that he had to do this because it was his responsibility, but he didn't see his limitation. And good, le- good leaders, whether you're a father or whether you're a friend or whether you're in, in some sort of leadership in church, whether you're a small group's leader, you need to understand, we need to understand that we have limitations. We're not Superman. We're, not, we're, we're, we're human. And the, the, the beautiful thing about what this centurion did was he understood his limitations. He understood his limitations. See, he recognized the holiness of Jesus Christ. You say, how is that a limitation? Because the centurion wasn't holy. There, there was a cost that had to be made, the brutality that had to be, had to be indwelt in an individual to, to massacre people. That wasn't holy. But the centurion saw his limitation. In regards to holiness. See, in, in Matthew chapter 8, verse 8 says this, The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that, that shouldest come under my roof. That shouldest come under my roof. You see, in, in Luke chapter 7, um, I'll read it to you. In verse 3, it says this, And when he had heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come, and heal his servant. And the, the thought of this, this point is simply this. Um, it wasn't the fact that he said, don't come to my house. But in verse, in, in verse 3 in Luke chapter 7, the centurion sent elders. He sent elders. You say, what's the difference? Why couldn't the centurion do it himself? Well, he, he had humility. But he didn't just send his servants, he sent his elders, and those elders of the city vouched for him in Luke chapter, in, in, in the, in Luke chapter 7 and vouched for him that he built a synagogue on behalf of the Jews. You have to understand that the centurion understood the holiness of Jesus Christ, where that instead of him going to him, to Jesus, he got the elders of the city to do that. And the elders of the city vouched for the centurion and we need to understand again this morning that the, the Bible is not, it's not conflicting. It's, it's not contradictory. It's complementary. It's supposed to add to what we, we believe. We, we, there's, there's none of this. The Bible can explain itself. And when he sent the elders, he was basically saying to Jesus Christ, I'm not sending you a slave. I'm sending you a free man. And I have a limitation, and this limitation is that I'm a Roman. We don't follow you. 
but these people do. And they can help my servant, and so I'm sending them to you. You understand that the beautiful side of leadership. He understood the limitations. He recognized the holiness of Jesus Christ. But let's turn back to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, and we'll, begin re- uh, we'll, we'll finish off verse 8. Matthew chapter 8, verse 8. It says this, But speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Not only did the centurion recognize the holiness of Jesus by sending the elders of the Jews to him, but he believed the words of Christ. Do you remember back in the days when your word was your bond? Do you remember back when, when you used to say this, and I said, I'm going to be there at 8 o'clock, and you don't rock up at 9.30? Do you remember those days? Do you remember those days in the playground where you shook hands, and that meant that the, that the fight was over, you're finished. That's it. I'm not going to bring it up anymore. And you never brought it up again. When someone said something, even in the Scriptures, when Jesus Christ said something, it was going to happen. Jesus said, I will come, and he will get healed. Those weren't, don't want to say, oh, I'll come and he might get healed. No, no. I will come and he'll, he'll heal. He'll heal him. And so the centurion understood those words as, as not a, a, a presumptuous words that, that might happen. No, no. He, he assumed that those words are genuinely going to happen. And said, you come and he'll get healed. See, those are, those are believing in the words of Christ. Those are believing in words of Christ. And, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. Healed. It doesn't say might. Shall be healed. See, Jesus never saw the dying servant. Do you know how a doctor would, would have to come evaluate you and see the prognosis, make sure that what they're giving you is the right thing, or maybe send you to some specialists or some tests, and from the specialist they get the results back, and then they, 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 they provide the medication that you require, or they provide a, a surgery or something to help you out in regards to that. Jesus Christ never had to do that. Imagine that. My servant is dying. He has the palsy. He's being tormented. Jesus Christ turns around and he says, I will go, I will come, and I will heal. And that's all the centurion needed to know. Why? Because the limitations were already set by the centurion. There was no other person or plan B. There was no other thing that he had to go to. No, no. When he believed what Jesus Christ said, there was no other thing that he needed to cling to. He just believed the words of God. And as leadership, we need to understand the same thing. That we are limited in our, in our capacity to raise the kids that we need to raise up in the, in, the, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The only way that can happen, my friend, is not that you have a degree in Bible college. It's the fact that you can go to your knees before a holy God and say, God, I can't raise these kids by myself. You need to help me. Or you can go to a friend that, that, that needs help, that feels lonely or, 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 or just desiring to leave the church in some capacity you can't just go there and with your words try to convince them to come to church. It doesn't work like that, church. We need to go before God. And God gives you the wisdom of what to say and what not to say. That's leadership, understanding your limitations, and then going to someone 
that, I, that actually can help you, that actually can help the circumstance. And so church, he, he simply just believed that, that what God did, God said he will do. Amen? If you just believe that. If, if God said, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things that thou knowest not. If you believe that, why aren't we calling? If, if we say we, 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 we desire church to be a, a place of friendship, but we don't even talk to anyone, and you wonder why you feel lonely. The limitations is set on you, and what you're trying to do is you're trying to exceed that. And God says, no, I never expected that from you. I just need you to do what you can, and then trust in me for the rest. Amen? Not only that, he acknowledged, he not only just believed the words of Christ, but he acknowledged that though he was in authority, he was still set under authority. This is a, this is a true mark of a good leader. Fathers, you're not the be-all and end-all of your, your family. God is. And so let's look at the verses that pertain to this. In verse 9, it says this, for I am a man under authority. Understand that. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goeth. And to another, come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. This is, the, this is, what, Jesus, this is what the centurion said to Jesus Christ through the elders that spoke to Jesus. Um, I'm in authority but I'm set under authority. You say, what, is that? what does the Bible say that? In Luke chapter 7, verse 8, let's turn there, and you'll see this word set. Luke chapter 7, verse 8. It's a bit different from Matthew chapter 8, verse 9. Again, you have to understand, they're not contradictory, they're complementary. In verse 8, Luke chapter 7, verse 8, it says this, For I also am a man, what? Set. Luke, uh, Luke chapter 7, verse 8. Luke chapter 7, verse 8 says this, For I also am a man set under authority. The centurion recognized, recognized not only the holiness of God, not only believed the words of God, but he acknowledged that though he was in authority, he was still set under authority. Do you know one day we will be accountable for what we do? Do you believe that, church? That you as a mom will be accountable for how you raise your children. That teenager, you will be accountable how you lived your life. And you won't be in a stage or you won't be in a, in, in a circumstance where God's questioning you and, and dad comes in your way and says, you know what? No, no, no. This is what he means. Talk to me. Yeah, I'm just going to protect him. No, no, no. In that day of judgment, Christian, you won't be able to protect your child. You won't be able to protect your wife. Wives, you, you won't be able to protect your husband and say, oh, no, no, that's just work, and he just needed to do that, and, and, and no, no, he needed to supply for the family, so that's the, the sacrifices that he had to make. No, no. He'll stand before God for himself, for what he did and why he did them. And that is a scary thought. 
And as leadership, and as leadership comes to us and is given to us, we need to understand that, hey, even though I'm in leadership, I'm still accountable to somebody. I'm still accountable to God. And whether it is a, a physical person, whether it's your boss or, or the, the boss of the whole company, there's still accountability that needs to take place, and we need to recognize that. I'll tell you why. Um, if I let my children do whatever they want, eventually one of them will get hurt. Do you agree? Yeah. You say, prove it. Well, the other night, me and my wife were just having some time together, and we had the kids in front of us, and um, the kids just decided to, to twirl around in a circle. Okay, you have three kids. Imagine this. Picture this in your mind. You have the eldest running around in a circle like this. Then you have the second, Esther. She's just, she's just going like this everywhere, okay? In the lounge room, confined space. And then we have Titus in the middle just twirling, and he's just like twirling around like this. And he's walking around, he's stumbling. You know, after you twirl three times, you sort of get really dizzy. And sort of, I looked at my wife, and we sort of looked at each other and said, oh, someone's going to get hurt. And lo and behold, one of them falls, the bigger one falls, and then the third one falls, and then two of them start crying. If you allow something to continue on, you might think to yourself, you know what, nothing's going to happen. No, no, there is something going to happen. Why? Because we're set under authority. There needs to be that recognition that, hey, even though I don't have authority over me here, God sees me. God knows who I am. And the centurion turned around and said, I will liken you, Jesus Christ, a Jew, to me, a Roman. Because I can just go, tell someone to go, to come, tell someone to come. And it's interesting, he makes this statement, and I tell my servant something to do, and he does it. It just shows that the servant was actually a profitable servant. It wasn't just some random servant that's got sick. No, no, this servant was actually working. And it's just a side thought for today. But the leadership recognized that, cared for that, acknowledged that, but did something about that. But then also showed by his, his sending of the elders that he's, he's willing to be humble. He's willing to, to listen to the Word of God and just believe what the Word of God says. But then he also acknowledges that he's still set under authority. And lastly, simply this for us Christians today. Good leadership will continue in faith. Good leadership will continue in faith. You see, there are times where, where God will allow you to have a circumstance where you need faith. You really need to trust in Him. But it shouldn't just stop there. You know, this week we had, uh, we mentioned it on Wednesday, somebody in our church and a good friend of mine, actually, he had an accident. Was he being a reckless driver? No, he wasn't. He just got rear-ended by a truck. And, and, and you say, oh, oh okay, um, well, he sure really does need faith. 100% he needed faith to get him through. As he waited there at the doctor's appointment, uh, doctor's um, over there in Blacktown, 
he was fearing the worst, man. You, you're thinking internal injuries, spinal difficulties for the rest of his life, all these things that could happen because of a major accident like that. Definitely he needs faith. But do you know what? Every single time we live our life, we ought to live by faith. And it was mentioned this morning in Sunday school, which I admire so much, is that we do need faith in our life. And in order for you to have good leadership skills, or if you're, if you're trying to lead your family the right way, we need to live a life that, that, that is based on faith. Not just when, when the time is here, then we have faith. No, no. You need to live a life of faith. And so the centurion says this. After he makes these statements, it, let's look in verse 13, Matthew chapter 8, verse 13 and this is where it's, it's so amazing what the Lord, of, the Lord Jesus Christ actually says to him. And, and sometimes we breeze over it. In Luke chapter 8, verse 13, it says this, And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way. So you can go. Go thy way. And it says this, And what? As thou hast believed. Let's stop there. You go your way. Elders, you go back to the centurion. Go back to the, the sick servant Matthew, in Luke chapter 7. You go your way, and as you have believed. Is that what the Word of God says? So, you, you, I didn't question, you didn't question my ability. You didn't ask for a miracle. Because remember, the Jews asked for a miracle to know that Jesus Christ was God. No, no. Jesus said, as you've believed. Go your way, but as you believed, so be it done unto thee. Mercy. Imagine that, someone saying to you, Brother Alan, um, you believe I'm supplying your need? But that much, the, the belief that you have is what's actually going to be granted to you. Go your way. That's scary. Because what if the centurion said, no, no, um, I, I do have an appointment with the, the best GP. And he wears a really cool hat. And he's located in Seven Hills. No, no. The centurion believed. And the byproduct of his belief was that his servant got healed. Does that make sense? And that wasn't limited belief. They were saying, if you believe that, you go your way, and I will heal him to the rate, the same rate as you believe. Isn't that cool? And so church, whatever capacity of leadership you'll have, you'll never call yourself a leader. Oh, I'm a leader, this, a leader. No, no, no. God will give you relationships where you don't even recognize that you're leading them. You're helping them. You're strengthening them. So we can take all these truths so how can, how can I be a leader that, that brings the most glory to God? He recognizes that faith is required for service. But the faith is just an evidence of the just. And we mentioned this this morning. Let's turn to Romans chapter 1, verse 16. I won't be long today. I just needed to get that message out. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says this, we know the verses, 
Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. In verse 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall, what? Live by faith. So whether you're a leader or not, whether you recognize you're, you're helping someone or not, we ought to live by faith, Christian. We ought to guide our life, glorify Christ. How? For understanding for, so, so we can we prioritize those that are under our authority. We see the need. We take action upon it. We concern ourselves and we overlook the consequences that could happen if we help somebody. But secondly, we as, as Christians, as good leaders, should understand our own limitations. That, the, that we need to recognize that there is a holiness in God. And it's not some blasé attitude. No, he's a holy God. We need to believe the words of God. Believe the scriptures that you read every morning. We need to acknowledge that even though we are set in authority, we are still set under authority. And one day we'll stand before a thrice holy God and be accountable to what we have done with the things that he's given to us. Christian, this is what we have to understand and see. Thirdly, that leadership, good leadership, will continue in faith. That faith is required for service. That, that faith is an evidence of a just person. And so you say to me, as we finish up, that's all good and well, Brother E.J., I, have not, I, I don't know what you mean in regards to faith. Because sometimes people place their faith on others. And it hurts sometimes when that falls through. Church, always look to Christ as leadership. Because men are not perfect. As God allows you and gives you, gives you the privilege, privilege to, to act on leadership, be faithful with that. Because that's an opportunity for you to bring more glory to God. That's an opportunity that He gave to you that He never gave to somebody else, specifically for yourself. So maximize it, church. And your relationships that you have, evaluate. Say, how, how am I helping this person? Or are they just a, how are you on Sunday morning? Or is it more? And you say, uh, I don't have, I'm not leading anyone at the moment. I'm not, I'm not helping anyone. Then find someone to help. There are plenty of us that do need it. Amen? Why? Because in the end, Brother, Robert, Brother Robbie, you know this well. We can't see the changes that are happening because we're here. But when someone comes out and comes back in, you see the differences. You see the, the developments. And we might not see it here because we're here. 
But God is doing a work here, church. God is molding people's lives. And the young adults that are growing up, man, God is using them in a tremendous way. And the adults that are here, man, you're, you're, you're being used of God to help promote that. And don't limit God because you don't want to take the right type of leadership. God's blessed you with that. So let's, let's go together. Let's grow together. And take the, the role that this man, this centurion, a Roman, a Roman that Jesus Christ said, I have not seen a greater faith, no, not in Israel. And he spoke to the Jews while he said that. That the, the Jews didn't have enough faith as this one Roman had. Understand that, that's crazy. And the realization that the gospel only set aside, and he made some statements in, in, in the book of Matthew, that he sets the Jews aside and allows the Gentiles to experience the gospel of Jesus Christ. And one day the Jews will come back and become a priority of, of God again. At this time, at this time frame, it's the Gentiles that God is using tremendously. So keep that in mind, church. God has blessed our church. God has blessed you with opportunities to be a leader in some way. Whether you're a teen, whether you're a young adult, whether you're an adult, God has blessed you with leadership. How are you going to use that for his glory? Amen? So let's pray. Relationships and faith. Faith in leadership. Faith-guided leadership. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for just a reminder this morning. And I, I, I know I was really speaking to uh, the Christians and, and those, Lord, that, that you've blessed to, to be leaders and to be helps here in this, in this church. Father, as we continue on with the, continue on with the altar call, Lord, I, I ask that you speak to the hearts of those that might not even know you as personal Savior. And as the uh, piano begins to play, I, as our custom is in our church, I'd like to ask you, if you're a visitor, or even if you're a church member, I'd like to ask you, do you know for sure that you'd go to heaven when you die? Would you know for sure that heaven will be your home if you stepped into eternity today? Would you, would you know? You say, Brother EJ, I, I, I know for sure. I know that I'm going to heaven. I know that I received Jesus Christ already. And, he, and I just want to, I want to acknowledge that. Brother EJ, I'm, I know that I'm going to heaven. If that's you, raise your hand this morning. I see that hand. I see those hands everywhere throughout the, throughout the auditorium. You may put them down. I see those hands. That's a testimony for you and, and, and towards God. God sees your heart. God knows where you're at. So Christian, where's your leadership? Have you been abusing your right? Have you been glorifying God with how you lead? Maybe you say this morning, Brother EJ, I'm not saved. I don't know if I'm going to heaven. Can someone show me? Can someone show me how to get to heaven? Because I want to know for sure. And I don't know. I don't know, Brother EJ. Can someone lead me? If that's you, raise your hand today. Just raise your hand. No one's looking around. It's just me, you, and God.
that's you, I don't know if I'm going to heaven when I die. Simply raise your hand this morning. I don't see a hand, and I pray that's the case. God sees your heart. The Bible says you can know for sure these things have I written that you may know that you have eternal life. And so you need to understand this morning that you can know that you're going to heaven. And it's not based by raising your hand or walking down an aisle. It's based on the blood of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for your sin. And what we need to do as, as those that are looking towards Christ is, is receive it. Understand that he died, was buried, and he rose again the third day and for you to receive it as your receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. You can do that today. Say, so Brother EJ, I'm, I'm just going to testify with you. I, I need to work on my leadership. Again, it's just me and you right now and, and, and the Lord. Say, so, could you pray for me and help me? Pray for me and, and, and ask the Lord that I'll be a better leader. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand there. I see that hand over there. Brother EJ, I want to be a better mom. I want to be a better dad. I need to be a better husband. Learn, learn from the centurion. So let's pray. Again, you can pray in your seat. That's fine. Just get things right if you need to. Be thankful for what God's placed in your life. So let's all stand. And... Um, We'll still bow your heads, close your eyes, and as the piano continues to play, I'll ask a time of invitation. If, if, you, if you like, you please come to the altar and pray. But if you want to pray in your seat, that's fine. You can do whatever God wants you to do and just get some things done, some things right.